What is going on, everyone? And welcome back to the 90 and 60 plus podcast for another week of your weekly football recap from around the world and mostly Europe. My name is Christian Yell, and today we are joined with our regular co-host. It's myself, Aldo, and Saul. Saul, man, what's up with you, man? How's the week been treating you? Yeah, man, pretty good. Huh? The real man chilling and studying and yeah, man, as always, can't complain. So yeah, just excited just for talk footy another week with the boys. Yeah, man, I agree there and. Likewise, bro, nice to be back for another week and just, you know, same as usual. What about you, Aldo? How's everything in your world? Bro, we're here. We're chilling. Um, another week recording, so I'm just feeling blessed right now. Doing good, bro. I'm glad to be back with my boys, my co-host, and yeah, glad to talk footy once again. It's going to be a good episode, y'all. I can feel it. You know, a lot to talk about, a lot of talking points, but we're going to start like we do. Oh, you know, most weeks with our biggest takeaways from the week just passed. So, Aldo, what you got, man? What's your biggest takeaway? Dude, my biggest takeaway right now, man, is Xavi Alonso's Bayern Leverkusen. Still undefeated, bro. It's insane what he's pulling out over there in Germany. Um, I mean, I think, what is it, only three draws in the league. And they have 24 wins in all competitions. That's insane stats, insane stats by the former Real Madrid Liverpool legend. Yeah, man, definitely can't wait to talk about Bayer Leverkusen in the Bundesliga with their Bundesliga recap for the week. But yeah, man, uh, good takeaway there, Aldo. Mine, y'all, yo, there's a, lot, there's a lot to talk about this week, bro. I mean, we got Jose Mourinho getting sacked by Roma, but we'll, I guess, touch on that later when we get to Serie A. You know, we got former Man City financial advisor Stefan Borson coming out saying that relegation is the least of Man City's worries right now if the FFP charges are true. Speaking of FFP, man, you know, Everton and Forrest got charged again recently. So that's another thing that went on. Mo Salah got injured at the AFCON. But I think my biggest takeaway for the week, y'all, is going to be what we were just talking about before we started recording. And yeah, man, this uh, winter window, it hasn't been much uh, action over in Europe, but, you know, here in the States and uh, specifically in Mexico, La Liga Mekis, you know, it's been uh, kind of disappointing, bro. Just earlier today, we know we got hit with the news that uh, Gerardo Artaga is going to go back to Mexico and Monterrey. Omar Campos is going to, you know, leave Mexico, but not to Europe like we all wanted him to. He's going to actually go over to the MLS for LAFC. And I think we all know the reason why there, because LAFC offered the most money for Campos and for Santos, but... Yeah, man, disappointing news after disappointing news for, you know, our, our young talent, bro. And then, um, yeah, I think uh, this ties in nicely with uh, Andres Guardado also coming back. But, you know, a different story than one of the youngsters. You know, he's coming back at the age of 38. You know, a man that's truly, I would say, conquered Europe, honestly. Played for some of the most respectful, respected clubs in Europe. Played all over Europe and uh, was really well-respected everywhere he played. So, yeah, man, I think uh, Guardado is an example for all young Mexicans, you know, I would say even like all young Coca-Cola players in general, you know, to go over to Europe and make a name for themselves and then come back when it's the right time, you know, not for the money when it's the right time. But, uh, yeah, man, that's my takeaway. How, uh, <laughs> how, uh, disappointing, you know, these, uh, departures are from, from, uh, Europe to Mexico. But, uh, yeah, man, that's mine. What about you, Saul? What you got? Well, just to add to yours, another one that was confirmed early in the day was Gerardo Arteaga returning from, it's called in Belgium, Genk, Hank, I, I don't know how to pronounce it, but Monterrey bought him back from Belgium. So, you know, 25 years old, and at one time looked like he was going to be Mexico's uh, left back for the future. Now he's back to Mexico, and he's probably not going to uh, get the starting spot over Gallardo, who is, coincidentally, his uh, competition in La Selección, so... Yeah, another step backwards, and you know we just gotta hope Omar Campos. He is going to LAFC, but we just gotta hope he does take that next step as soon as possible. Uh, but yeah, my takeaway. Well, actually, before I even get my takeaway, you talked about City, and that actually reminded me of another important takeaway, which was um, United hired their CEO Oscar Beranda. I don't know what his name is, but United snagged him from from City, and apparently he's really good at his job. Apparently he wasn't just the manager, the CEO of Man City, he was the, uh, the CEO of all the whole City group, so yeah, that's interesting. Supposedly everyone's been raving about it, you know, people are like, this is a great bet for 
for United. So we'll see how that plays out. See if he helps return United to their to their old ways. But no, my takeaway, which obviously is the most obvious one, most talked about, even still getting talked about today, what did happen yesterday, but it's, it's probably going to be talked about for a while, is the VAR, uh, the controversial VAR decisions in the Almeida versus Madrid game, I think. There was three of them. I didn't watch the game. I woke up. When I woke up, I saw that it was trending everywhere, and everyone was saying it was a clear date robbery. And, you know, there was a consensus that it was a robbery that Almeida got robbed, and apparently three decisions, all three went in favor of Madrid. Very, very questionable decisions. So, yeah, we can dive right in it, see what you guys think. Bro, that was ridiculous. I didn't see the game, but I saw the highlights of it. Vinicius' goal, clearly, clearly a handball. You can't get any clearer than that. I'm sorry. And VAR failed what VAR was supposed to do, you know. That's why VAR was brought up, uh, you know, to to fix these discrepancies in the game. And yet it, it still falls short. You know, it just makes it clear and obvious that Real Madrid are paying these refs, bro. Boy, I've been waiting all week to talk about this. By all week, I mean the past two days ever since I watched the highlights. <laughs> no, but man, yeah, I agree, bro. That's a huge talking point, man. Like, you just open, like, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Like, the first thing you see related to footy is, like, how this game was, you know, robbed by by uh, by Betis over for Real Madrid. But, no, nah, man, I want to give, you know, credit where credit is due. Almeria, I know they're bottom of the table right now and probably going to get relegated. But, bro, every time they come up against a top opponent in La Liga, they give them a fight, bro. And this was no exception. They barely, Atletico barely beat them 2-1. They gave Barca a really good fight not too long ago. That was, you know, a 3-2 win for, Bar- for Barca. And, again, 3-2 this time in favor of Real Madrid. And all these games were away from home, bro, so... Almeria, man, they're just, you know, one of the teams to not sleep on, even though they are bottom of the table. But, yeah, bro, 3-2 win in the end for Real Madrid. And like you said, Saul, with the help of a lot of controversial decisions, man. But, um, you know, let's let's, let's let's build up the game a little bit, bro. Right off the gate, Almeria scored in the first 30, 40 seconds of this game, bro. Like, that just set the mood for the entire game. And I think at this point, you know, that's when, questionably, Florentino Perez and maybe some of the reps in the VAR room were like, oh, shit, it's going to be one of those games. <laughs> and then they made it 2-0 later on. Edgar Gonzalez, bro, legitimately one of the goals of the season, bro. Not just for La Liga, but I think for the entirety of Europe. If y'all haven't seen that go, go check it. goal, go check it out. Edgar Gonzalez, what a strike from the center back. But then, yeah, bro, Ancelotti, after the half, he tried to switch things up. It reminded me of uh, Deschamps in the World Cup final, bro. He was like, nah, I'm not going to lose this game. <laughs> he tried to switch it up and salvage something from Madrid. So he brought on Fran Garcia, Brahim Diaz, and Jose Lu all at the half. And, you know, some might say it paid off for them. But, no, man, Madrid earned a penalty after VAR checked. With <clears throat> excuse me. After a VAR check where Madrid drew 1-1. And then former Real Madrid player, bro, Sergio Arribas, put Almeria up by two again, but the goal was disallowed after Lopi, one of the defensive midfielders, his hand to the face of Jude Bellingham oh. before the goal. That was that was the first controversial call. I mean, I think the first one was the penalty, but yeah, what's up? So I was going to say, we, we should do the VAR. Sorry to interrupt, but we should do the VAR one by one. But I was going to say, the penalty you're, you're saying the... You're saying the uh, this goal getting disallowed by Mario was the first one because I'm saying I didn't watch the game. I know some of the decisions. Okay, I read what they were. So was the Almeria getting their goal disallowed the first VAR action or was the penalty one? Because I read there was some controversy around the penalty that Madrid got too. Mm, all right, all right. So, so yeah, first one was this one was the Almeria goal then. So yeah, to my knowledge, because I I saw the highlights back, but. I didn't see anything. Right, that... so, so you and Aldo describe it like what was the controversy? Because I think I have an idea, but you guys will actually see it. So. Yeah. I mean, again, just going based off highlights, I didn't have time to see the game when it actually went on. But yeah, to my knowledge, this was the first controversial play. Um, again, former Real Madrid player Sergio Arribas put Madrid up 2-1. Or excuse me, by two goals again. But it was disallowed thanks to uh, a hand to the face of Bellingham after defensive midfielder Lopi, you know, deliberately put his hand in the face and the build to the goal in my opinion bro it was a soft foul like we see contact in this game all the time and i think the distance is what truly gave it away for me the fact that you know and we all know footballers are you know a little bit um dramatic and 
uh, theoretical with their with their diving. But I don't know. Just the distance for me between the two players is what gave it off as soft for me, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> in my opinion, it should have been. I don't think it was a foul. I think the goal for Almeria should have stood and it should have been three one in that moment. Yeah, because that's what I heard. I saw that. I heard that he got smacked in the face, but that supposedly the ref was right in front of it when it happened, and the mm-hmm. ref didn't call it. So that that's my thing. If the ref's in front of it and he didn't call it, there's oh, that's difficult. Because on one hand, I say they shouldn't say it, but they shouldn't like the VAR shouldn't intervene. But on the other hand, you know, if it is clear and obvious, then they thought, "Babe, I'm the opinion. The ref's right in front of it. If the ref says no, play on then." There's no need for VAR. Like, technically, technically, it is a foul, as you said, a soft foul. But, ooh, that's a tough one to swallow for five media. Yeah, what do you think, Aldo? Nah, man, I think it's just confirming what we've always thought, you know? Um, just like Barca, Real Madrid has a huge influence on these refs, you know, and these decisions. I mean, again, going back to just Vinicius's goal, whether there was a penalty on the other side to begin with, either way, the goal should not stand because there was a clear handball. Uh, you know, it. we all know the rules of a handball, right? We all know where it, where it is. Uh, and that was a clear handball from Vinicius. But even then, kind of going back to or we talked about we've we've said this before in the pod too if 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 the ref is right there looking at it right in front of it there's no better view you know there's no better angle there's no there's nothing really that can replace that you know you saw it happen you you went with your gut um and somehow they still decided not to overlook that you know there's a reason why he didn't call it in the first place now, and for those of you that don't yeah. know, Aldo's actually a referee, so he knows what he's talking about. But, um, bro, here's... And I get it. And I get it. Sometimes in the game, you know, things are do happen too fast-paced and everything. But again, was it really uh, an impact to, to the buildup? I don't think so. Or else the ref would have called it. Yeah. And they're more, you know, they, they have a more trend, trained eye than I do. Bro, and here's my biggest grievancy with VAR. And I think this, you know, speaks throughout all different types of leagues and levels of VAR. See, my biggest thing is there's such an agenda behind the people running VAR for them. And, like, they've this is more evident now that they've been releasing the uh, audio between the what's communicated between the VAR room and the referee on the field. And they did so with this game, too. But it seems like there's an agenda. It seems like every single time... VAR is deliberately showing, and so you said this in the past on this podcast before too, you know, it's every time it gets called the VAR, you know, nine times out of 10, it's going to be called against what the referee's original call was. And that's exactly what this was because the VAR room was deliberately showing the referee, hey, this is what happened. And then they show like, you know, the right clips, the right segments of the video that favor whatever there is they're telling the ref they're basically telling the ref this is you got the call wrong here here's what it should have been and here's the perfect slow-mo frame or perfect frame by frame of why we believe it was it's so biased in my opinion bro when it should be a conversation between the two it should be the var room saying okay this is what we think it is or this is what we think you should consider what do you think but more times than not the referee's just like no you guys are right you know i'm convinced by the videos and the, the clips you're showing me when they're deliberately showing them I mean, a tackle looks, and let's just use a tackle as, as an example, even though this was a hand to the face, but a tackle looks so much worse slowed down and frame by frame than it does in lifetime when the referee saw it. I just think VAR has an agenda, and I think they're always going to try and tell the referee that you got the call wrong when it should be a conversation between the two. It should be, this is what we thought, what's your opinion? But the referee never goes with, nor never speaks his mind either. He just concedes to what the VAR room is telling him because he thinks that they're feeding the right information. Yeah, it should be like, I think it should be like it should be like, like from this game, from how everyone's making it sound, it sounds like VAR ref the game instead of the ref on the field, and it should never yep. be like that. Like I think in this case for this one, the ref should have told them like respectfully. I'm in front of it. I didn't think it was a foul, but I appreciate the input. I'm not looking at it. That's what it should be. Like VAR should put like you know they could come in and be like, hey, have a look at it again, and he could, and he should just be able to say like, hey, I'm in front of it. I don't think it's a foul, and that should be on the conversation. 
And then afterwards, the ref gets flamed, and everyone's like, that's a clear foul, that's a clear foul. Then the ref gets flamed. He's, he stuck with he stuck with his decision, you know? I don't think it should ever be the AR comes in and says, you have to look at this. I think it should be suggestion. Like, you might want to have a look at this, or, you know, if it's really bad, then they should be like, you need to. You absolutely have to look at this. Like, you're going to get flamed for this if you don't come look at it. And I don't think that happened here. I think it was just VR being like, yeah, go look at this. It's a foul. And then he'd go look at it and be like, oh, you're right. It's a foul. I'll call whatever. So, Bro, it's almost like they're bullying yeah. the referees into making these decisions, honestly. Like, they, they're feeding them, like, the information that perfectly is portrayed to their own bias. But... Yeah, man, that's exactly what I think happened here. But on to the next controversial call, because after that goal was disallowed, it remained 2-1, and then Vinny got the second goal, which tied it at 2-2. Although I know what you said, bro, and I know you said it was a clear handball, but bro, I'm, I think I'm going to piss a lot of people off here. In my opinion, I think Vinny's goal was rightfully given. I don't think it was a handball. I think it came off his shoulder. The thing with the VR here, again, is that VR did not show him all the angles. It showed him, I think, two angles, which... See, there's the thing with this type of play. It's like, um, I don't know what other players compare it to, but I know there's been plays in the past, you know, it depends on the angle you look at it. Because you look at it one angle, and you're like, man, that's a handball. And then you look at another angle, and you're like, oof, that could be the shoulder. And then you look at a different angle, and you're like, no, that's clearly handball. And I think in this case, I've always said this, if in this case it's not clear and obvious, which are the VAR rules, if it's not clear and obvious, you stick with the on-field decision. And that's what I believe should happen because the ref blew it right away. He's like, that's a handball, no question or nothing. And that's how the ref saw it. Then VAR's like, no, 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 go check it, go check it. He goes and checks, and then he's like, oh, yeah, it is. It was like, bro, I think it was a handball. Ultimately, I think it was a handball. There's a couple of angles where I've seen it from where I'm like, that's a handball. There's that, that's not shoulder. That's not his shoulder or whatever. It's a clear handball, in my opinion. And yeah, I think in these cases, it should be you stick with the on field decision. and Especially because VAR should not be coming in in this situation, in my opinion, because there's no clear take which shows it's a shoulder. And VAR, it clearly states VAR only comes in to correct clear and obvious errors. And this was not a clear and obvious error, in my opinion. And the, the decision on the field should have been the one that stuck. Now, I remember the, th- the other controversial car. It was the penalty that was awarded to Real Madrid because it came off in Almeria's player's arm but in that instance and the Armeria's player's arm was extended away from the body and it did roll off his arm so again in my opinion that call was rightfully given as a penalty that Jude Bellingham converted but again I know I'm probably going to be in the um not his favored side of this argument but I think Finney's goal was rightfully given and rightfully stood but uh yeah you, you don't agree with that do you Aldo? <laughs> nah see I don't agree with it because Okay, so like the the ball slightly rolled off the hand. Yes. Did it do enough to impact the trajectory? Probably not enough. Um, but you also got to keep in mind, I saw some fouls from the Real Madrid players as well <laughs> yep. going on in that same spot. Yeah, in that, in same, that play. same action. So you know, and that's the thing, you know, in 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 football. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not the same as American football because in American football, if there's like fouls on both sides or penalties, or whatever, they kind of cancel each other out, and then then the the play is is done. It's 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 voided, whatever, right? Um, you can't really say that with soccer, but at the end of the day, you know, that has, again, that's where VAR kind of has to come in. What's going on first? Is it the foul or the or um, the handball? In my opinion, it was a foul that happened first. Both fouls, actually, because I think there was two. Oh, damn. Actually, one of those fall, one of the fouls was the reason the, um, the was it a Maria player got into that position of, of his hand being in, in that, you know, in that way. Bro. I just saw that video Sullivan on the group chat. I changed my opinion. That's a clear handball. The re- and that, bro, and like you said, that angle was not shown in any of the replays that the VAR room showed the referee. Yeah, I think I read that the ref was only shown two angles out of a possible four or five angles he should have been. Yeah. Bro, this is the first yeah. time I see this angle. Damn. Yeah, that's a clear handball. You got sh- to show all the angles, bro. You know how, like, in FIFA, you can, like, switch all these different angles and stuff on a replay? That, th- those are all the angles we gotta be looking at, bro. 
Yeah, I stand corrected. Yeah, Vinny's goal was uh See, but here's the thing. Oh man. You'll look at a different angle, bro, and you're gonna be like, No, that's a goal. Mm-hmm. That's the crazy thing about this goal, and that's why I say the field the Mars should not intervene in this, but like it's not a it, it, it could sway. It's one of those decisions. Whatever call on the field, in my opinion, should stick. That's Damn. what it should be. It's not clear and obvious, in my opinion. But I think, once again, I think VR called him over and influenced him with the two angles they showed him, which is very unfair, in my opinion. And it's crazy, bro. Cause, see, because that angle is the one that tells me it's a handball. But then I go look at a different angle, and I'm like, bro, it doesn't look that clear. But at the end of the day, as I said, it's not clear and obvious, and it should be whatever's called on the field is what it is. Mm-hmm. And he said he ruled it out for handball, and that's what should have stuck. And you live with that decision. But VAR trying to be influential, and what's that, what's that word called? Um, influence him towards that decision. I believe is what it was. And it's just crazy, man. Damn, bro. Almeria uh, was robbed, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, Almeria was robbed, bro. And um. It's important to remember that after that goal was given, it was 2-2. So it was pretty much anyone's ball game at that point. But, you know, some stuff happened later on after that. Bellingham, spectacular bicycle kick effort minutes later that went just wide. Uh, Medias coach, Gartiano, was sent off after protests. I mean, bro, he was just frustrated all afternoon after all those, you know, VAR calls went against him and his team. So he was eventually sent off. And then uh, Bellingham, bro, he heads it across goal for Carbohal to nick it home for the winner, which gave Real Madrid the 3-2 win. What was that goal? Like in the 99th, damn near 100th minute of the game? Man. Yeah, yeah bro. So, you know, Real Madrid still, you know, up there with uh, with Mallorca, I think. Or not Mallorca, Girona. Damn, bro, I always get those two teams confused. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like you, yeah, and one game in hand for Real Madrid, so they can easily go top of the table if they were to win that game, but... Yeah, man. Nothing but a robbery is what this game was. Yeah, and then there's um, there's a video of uh, Gerard Romero, famous journalist in Barcelona. He somehow, some way, I don't know how he did it. He got conversation of a, he got um part of the conversation of the VAR that wasn't supposed to be released. It was supposed to be about a foul where Vinny, I think, hit someone in the face, and I think the ref was asking them to look at it and. They kind of just ignored him and were just like, no, keep playing. Like, I don't want to misconstrue it, but he got leaked audio and he tells them, like, how pretty much how they influenced him, how they were, like, um, they were showing him certain angles. They weren't showing him certain things that he was asking. And now it was pretty much confirming what we're all been thinking that it was V, the people at the VAR, refing the game and not the ref down below. They were telling him what decisions to make and stuff, which. It's on his YouTube channel. You could just search up. It is in Spanish, so far English listeners. I'm sorry, but he got it, and he was not supposed to get part of that that audio. So supposedly there's been an investigation opened up to see how that audio even made it out of that room. It oh, it just shows what we all know, and it's not even. I mean, at this moment, it's Real Madrid, but it's just that what we've all known that football is you corrupt to its core, bro, and it's it's sad to see, honestly. That was only one game in La Liga that captured a lot of uh, highlights onto another that, you know, captured highlights probably for the better. And that's, uh, you know, Real Madrid's rivals, not in the La Liga table this season, but I guess just in general, you know, Barcelona man with a uh, victory. And I think this is their second victory in a row where they won more than one goal by more than one goal, which was nice to see. But yeah, 4-2 overall Betis. But again, quickly want to mention and give honor to Andres Guardado who before the game was honored by both players because he is leaving Real Betis after seven years man and again I think everything that man's done for the club um, just is an example for all young Mexican talent to follow but yeah touching tribute there to kick this game off but that was one headline another headline was the fact that two 16 year olds were in the starting lineup for Barcelona Lamine Yamal who we all know is by this time a first team player or yeah first squad player but he was accompanied by this weather youngster Paul. Kubrasi? Am I saying that name right, Saul? Kubrasi. Mm-hmm. You know anything about this guy, bro? This is the first time he's come up on my radar. Bro, I've heard about him for a while. I heard of him when he was 15 or 14. Um, I had heard... Like, I'm not trying to say I discovered him or anything. Like, I'm not trying to come off like that. But I do follow a lot of scouting pages because I always like to see up upcoming talent, you know? I like to see who's next up and stuff like that. And I had heard about... Paul Cubarsi when he was 14, 15. 
one of the scouting pages I followed uh, put a report out on him, and they said he was next to Yamal the most promising player Barca had, and that he the guy said one of the most complete center backs that has ever come through La Masia Academy. And he just talked about his ball playing skills, how he was a really good center back. Because, you know, there's usually there's two type of defenders that come through La Masia. They said it's either the Puyol type, super aggressive, going to leave his heart and soul, or there's the Piquet type. He's passable as a defender, but he's a great distributor. And they said this guy is a combination of both. He's great defending, and he's also a great distributor, which if you watch the game, you could see um. You know, it's crazy because, you know, you see a 16-year-old playing a first game, first division, his first game, a lot of pressure, and they didn't even pressure him. You know, usually teams would pressure him, but they know that he is so good at playing the ball with his feet that they didn't even try. They just left him, which tells you about how good he is at the ball with his feet. But, yeah, I had heard about him for a while, that he was next up, next great center back to come out of La Masia, and I don't think they're wrong. And I just hope we um, – he did turn 17 today or yesterday, depending when you watch this, and – yeah, I just hope we uh, develop him right and don't ruin him. Yeah, he's definitely... Uh, he's to he's like... He grew up Barca fan. He wants to be a Barca for a long time because Chelsea, City, and Bayern, I think, have tried to lure him away, offering him, like, some pretty um, nice pay raises and stuff. But he's a 100% Barca fan, so he always said no. So, yeah, these are the type of players we got to take care of, and... Hopefully he stays here for a long time and he becomes everything that we want him to. Love to hear it, man. But yeah, I think uh, he grabbed most of the headlines, as did Lamine Yamal, the other 16-year-old in the lineup. Bro, Yamal, absolutely, bro, the star of the show in this game. Well, you know, he won assist, five shot creating actions, great link of play as well with the entire front three. This is the first time I've seen. This might be the best front three we've seen Barca play all season long. I think going forward, this is the front three at, uh, you know, a, a deploy. Uh, you know, I think Ferran, Lewandowski, and Yamal all had a great game. Um, I think Yamal was definitely at the pivotal point of that. But no, man, like I said, five shot creating actions. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, like I said, best they looked all season long. And then the midfield as well, you know, Pedri, De Young, and Gundo, I think they all linked up pretty pretty well together and contributed a lot on the offense and defense. Pedri with four shot creating actions himself. Gunde from three with three from right back, which is also really uh, impressive. Um, but I think we all know who the other star of the show was, Ferran Torres, hat trick. I think this is the first hat trick since uh, Messi left the club by any Barcelona players. So definitely, I think, well-deserved. I think Ferran is... Definitely, you know, at times he has his days, you know, hit or miss. But Lewandowski scored a hat trick in the Champions League last year, remember, versus that one team. Um, remember that team? His first yeah. game of the Champions League for us. We won 6 0. I think Lewandowski scored a hat trick. Damn, bro, last year's Champions League is a brother. <laughs> no, I mean, I no, I trust you. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's probably yeah, accurate. I, I, think I think it's referring to La first... Liga. Yeah, first hat trick from Liga, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, but three, you know, a hat trick and an assist, bro. And I think what was it was interesting because, you know, even when Jao Felix came on and got the uh his goal, you know, and he went off to go celebrate, even did like the, the Calma celebration, bro, the entire team and the entire bench was celebrating with Ferran, which I thought was, you know, indicative of how um, the game went for him, you know. I think the yeah, he grabbed all the headlines in this game. Oh, Victoria Pilsen, that was her name. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jao Felix's goal was pretty nice too, outside of the boot finish. But yeah, it just it was nice to see the entire team and bench celebrate with uh, Ferran Torres. Um, but uh, yeah, we talked a lot about the offensive side. You know, I think in terms of the defensive side, it's always interesting to see who contributes the most uh, from a defensive standpoint for Barcelona when you know Romeo and Busquets are not on the pitch. But um, in terms of the midfield, bro, Yamal even put up five tackles himself, so I thought that was pretty impressive. He was just all over the pitch. Um, Frankie de Jong got the most as far as the midfield goes with six. Also had two interceptions. Um, Gundo had four blocks. Even Fermin Lopez had two tackles when he came on, but uh, Pedri was the least offensive of all the midfielders. I don't think he registered a single tackle or interception, but no, nah, man, I think it was a performance to get Bar- Barcelona back on the on the right foot. Rob Betis is a strong opponent, um, and I think they definitely proved that in this moment. I think it was 2-2 all the way up until, like, the 82nd minute or something. But, yeah, I think uh, well-deserved in the end. Yeah, well-deserved in the end. And uh, probably the strongest lineup that we should keep on employing for the rest of the season. Um, My only thing with this was 
Oh, that midfield on paper is good, but no, bro. I did not like it. There's just, it's been my problem all season. There's way too much disconnect between the midfield and the defensive, especially in transitions. We lose the ball, dude. We're getting counterattacked. And it's, you, you could see it because Frankie, Gundogan, all the midfielders, they turn around expecting a CDM to be there, uh, whether. Because Busquets used to always be there, and they're always expecting the CDM to be there. And you'll see it multiple times. Like I saw the past two games where Frankie De Jong turns around, like lifts his hands up, like "Where's our CDM? We're about to get counterattacked." And they all have to, like you know, simultaneously turn and start running, trying to avoid a counterattack, which is has been the most annoying thing about this. How how unoriented that midfield is. It's like we know we struggle, like, and we have the ball, pure quality, you know, amazing. And when they lose the ball, we struggle a lot. So, yeah, that's what annoys me about that. And, yeah, man. Annoying. Yeah, bro, for all the I have another question. Yeah, what's up? It might take a while, so I don't know if I should ask it, but... Is Frankie de Young overrated? What? Absolutely not, bro. Not overrated. Let me explain it this way. I saw someone making the argument the other day. Frankie De Jong is a great player. This is what it should be. Has he lived up to the hype? Oh. And let me explain it. Someone explained it to me like this. He said he came in originally as a Busquets replacement. You learned quickly he's not the Busquets replacement. You change the narrative. Oh, he's a six. He's more like Xavi. You see he's not good at the position. You're like, oh, he's a more of an eight. You see he's not good at that position either. So you change the narrative. So then you completely change the system to suit Frankie De Jong. And even then... Um, when you think about it, his best seasons have still been at Ajax when you think about it. I was thinking about this the other day, and I was like, his best season has still been at Ajax. Even to this day, you hear reporters still saying, we're waiting for him to explode next season. We're still waiting for that Frankie of Ajax to come back. So that's where the, the what's it called? Like the, I got my brain thinking, and I was like, are they right? Or... Or, like, you know, is she just biased or what it is? So, yeah, I want to ask you, like, has he lived up to the hype? Do you think we're getting our money's worth? Do you think his best seasons have been at Barca? Or you do? You, would you agree that they're at Ajax? What are your thoughts? No, I definitely probably agree with that. Yeah, we're still yet to see the player at Ajax, and he hasn't lived up to the price tag, nor has the, the reputation. I, 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 I sadly agree with that, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, because just two, two, three weeks ago, I was saying he was team of the year. So, it's crazy. And especially for a player, you know, earning a reported $37 million a year is crazy. We need way more out of him than what he's providing, in my opinion. Yeah. I think he's second or third highest paid player in the world in the top five leagues behind the bot bitch. So. Yeah. The thing that sucks... Is that I know if he leaves to a better system, he's going to be a tremendous player. If he like, if he goes to Arsenal, dude, that midfield of him and Declan Rice, amazing. You know, you should go, you should go to Manchester United, bro. I was just about to so, say, bro, I think he thrived there. Yeah, it's because he thrives. I think in a double pivot, in my opinion, a double pivot where he doesn't have as much defensive responsibilities. It's where he thrives. Yeah, man, I just wanted to ask that because I had that conversation. I, I had that thought. I had been thinking about that for a while. And then I was like, damn. Yeah, no, I'm going to have to agree with that too, dude. Um, but I think a lot of, to be fair, a lot of players from that Ajax side um, had a lot of pressure yeah. on them. Like even, even Van Beek, bro. Like he had a lot of pressure. Delict. Or a lot of expectation after that. Delict. Yeah, dude, the, the lift is, I think, fourth, fourth center back. Yeah, and the lift, I don't think he's lived up to to his hype. So, yeah, I can, I can I can see it for a lot of that Ajax side. Yeah, you think about it, the only player that has left Ajax from that one squad and actually done something, I think, is... He won the World Cup. Otherwise, whenever you think of these Ajax players, all of them, you're still like, their best seasons were at Ajax. All right, boys. Let's get a move on. Um, let's just wrap up La Liga, y'all. Um, I just want to quickly mention Hirona. They thumped Sevilla 5-1. Damn, bro. <laughs> 
Bro, Sevilla, I knew they were down bad this season, but holy cow, this just solidified it. I mean, they, they drew first blood, but then, uh, oh, I just learned how to say this guy's name, and then I forgot it. Dovbik? That striker? Yeah, the... Ukrainian? Yeah, Ukrainian. Bro. Bro, Hattrick? He's tied for top goal scorer. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, he tied for Billingham in this game. But, bro, Hattrick in six minutes? That was insane, bro. Yeah, 14th league goal this season, 15 in all competitions, tied now with Bellingham. Three ahead of Griezmann, two ahead of Morata, and one ahead of Borja Mayoral. So, super impressive. Savio, man, another, you know, unsung hero in this game. Created four shot-creating actions, two assists. Even Porto, bro, created four, uh, three shot-creating actions. And um, Gutierrez, you know, former uh, Real Madrid left-back, created five. So, Girona, man, this is one exciting-ass team to watch. Um, bro, we talked about La Liga, but we didn't even talk about the Madrid Derby that happened, you know, the week before or midweek of last week. Atletico, bro. Those have been really good games. The Madrid Derbies recently have been a lot better than the Masicos. Yeah. yeah bro. Been, what a game. The Wanda Metropolitania, bro. That's been Real Madrid's Achilles heel this season so far. I think, uh, and this is going to be key for any team that goes up against Real Madrid in big games this for the rest of the season. Simeone has unlocked the blueprint to beating Real Madrid this season. Real Madrid plays far too narrow, bro. And Simeone exposed that. You know, they left room behind the fullbacks to attack the wings. And they exposed the center backs' inabilities to defend in the air. And, you know, players like Griezmann capitalized on it. Griezmann won a beautiful goal as well in the 100th minute to give if extra time to give Atletico the lead. Yeah, bro, it's, uh, you know, as a Barca fan, I'm smiling big after that after that game. All right, boys. No, I was going to say about Jerome, dude. I think Luis Mitchell has hopped to the top of my list of if Chappie leaves, I want him to take over. That's all I got to say. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. All right, boys. Well, we normally end with La Liga, and we normally start with the Premier League. So should we end with the Premier League this time and go to a different league? I think so. I think it's only fitting. All right, let's go. Let's go, you know, from, you know, what we normally end with to what we normally start with. So let's go to what we second to last, which is normally said, yeah. And bro, this gives us a lot of time to talk about Jose Mourinho, man. Sacked. His contract was up at the end of the summer, bro. So I thought it was very interesting how they were going to, you know, just pull the plug and sack him right now. But I did some digging, bro. And I want to ask this question to you guys. Um, you know, in three seasons, you know, the three-season curse Jose Mourinho has, um, you know, I think he did uh, underwhelm at Roma as manager. He never qualified for the Champions League. Um, he had the third-highest wage bill in Serie A, um, only signed one player permanently on a fee for the last three windows running. So, yeah, man, I know he won, you know, some European silverware, Roma's first European silverware with the uh, Conference League, but... Overall, bro, I got to say this is a huge disappointment. Um, maybe not huge, maybe, but I think uh, definitely he should have been playing Champions League football. Yeah, I mean, he had a good squad, but I mean, he had a tight budget, but I, st- I still feel he, he should have, he deserved some more time. That's what I think. He deserved some more time. It, was it a fair sacking? Uh, I don't want to be. I mean, he was only in ninth place, but five points off the top four, which is not a crazy, ridiculous amount. I mean, he got them assigned players like Lukaku and Dybala, which, you know, in the past, I doubt they would have been able to get unless Mourinho was there. But I don't think it was a fair second. I think he should have been able to see out his contract, in my opinion. Interesting. What do you think, Aldo? I have to agree. So, over there, um, you know, you got you to gotta let him finish – at least this, bro. I mean, but what's what's the difference of between sacking him now and maybe just releasing him uh, at the end of the season? I think it's better, you know, to let his contract run out because maybe towards the end of the season, you might be in a better spot than ninth right now. You know what I mean? But I think with with sacking him right now, they just put themselves in a little bit of a predicament because now they got to go through that whole matter. They already hired the next guy. I think they hired Daniel De Rossi. They they've already acquired the the next guy, or they haven't. Yeah, they have them. Daniel De Rossi. I'm pretty sure. It's on a short term contract. Yeah. Yeah, it was like he was sacked, and within a couple hours, uh, Daniel De Rossi was announced. He is an AC, AS Roma legend, and I'd say oh, I don't know if I'd say football legend, but I do remember when I started watching football, he was one of the names that always get mentioned. So, shout out to him. Yeah, 
in the he is an unproven coach so mm-hmm. yeah well damn i guess i'm in the minority there but i you know you know i think it's interesting to see how it's going to play out but yeah bro De Ro- Mourinho out De Rossi in, like you said, so I think bona fide club legend, probably the biggest um, legend next to uh, Francesco Totti at Roma. But yeah, like you said, bro, inexperience. His only managerial experience has been at Spal in Serie B, where he won three games of 17 and was relegated to, you know, the third division. So yeah, it's a lot of pressure to live up to. But no, I mean, he got off to a good start, bro. Got off to a good start. First win as a top flight manager, and you know, in a top flight league, where he beat Verona 2-1, you know, and that... uh I think the biggest change was the formation. You know, Roma normally played with a back three or back five under Mourinho, and they reverted to a back four, almost like a traditional four-three-three. But uh, yeah, I think it suited players like Lukaku and Dybala, like you mentioned there. But um, yeah, Lukaku scored his ninth goal of the season so far in Serie A. Um, that's 15 in all competitions. So you know, probably one of the unsung heroes for Roma this season so far. Uh, but Pellegrini, absolutely man of the match with a goal and an assist. And like you mentioned, Saul, Roma sit in eighth, only two points behind the UCL spots, so top four. And I think uh, this was purposely done on by the Roma hierarchy to give uh, De Rossi you know, some uh, easier games as he eases into life as management for Roma. I think he definitely want to build up his confidence a little bit because his next two games are against you know lower um, teams in the table. You know, They play 16th place Calabri next week, and then... Uh, followed by Salinantana, sorry, Salinantana next week, and then followed by Calagri. But then they play uh, the uh, league leaders enter after that. So, yeah, man, it's uh, quite the full platter for De Rossi. But we'll see how he gets on, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of theories going around that they only had De Rossi so that it would, like, because he's a club legend and people are like, oh, of course they're going to hire him to calm down the fans a bit. You know, that's, that was the theory going around. Also, bro, want to you know shout out Verona's goal from Flo. I can't pronounce this guy's name, but uh, yeah, it was a knuckleball, pretty nice goal. Go check it out. Um, staying in Serie A, bro. I want to touch on AC Milan, who tried to keep up the chase with Juve and Inter as they beat Udinese three-two thanks to a stop- stoppage time winning goal. But I think the main story here was you mentioned it at the top of the podcast. So the uh, abuse, disgusting abuse by the Udinese fans against Mike Mignon. Um that was honestly going on all game, bro. You know, this caused my young to walk off the pitch. Eventually came back and continued the game. But uh, yeah, hats out to Mike Mayong and the rest of the AC Milan squad for standing with them. And yeah, bro, we say this all the time. There's no room for this in the game. And if anything, it just takes away from the game. You know, it took away from the game literally and figuratively in this game. And sad to see. But again, we all stand with uh, Mayong in these moments. Um, and AC Milan, bro, yeah. You know, 3-2 win. Um, and... Again, just keeping up the chase. Bro, how many... <laughs> I completely forgot Florian Tovan existed. and I, But he scored in this game, and I was Bro. like, oh, yeah. How does he say... Wasn't he, like, a Tigris for some time? Yeah, he man. Tigris and... Bro. He got, like, he got kicked out because he wasn't good enough. I think... Are they there? Like, so crazy. He was getting those nice wages, but not, not giving out the football. Bro. Yeah, I think he was injured quite a bit, too, so... Popped up with a goal, and I was like, damn, bro, I forgot. All- bro, World Cup winner. What the hell happened to him? Oh, yeah, huh? He, he was part of that World Cup winning squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn, bro. Time flies. Um, but, yeah, that was that game. Um, Juve, they go top of the city off because HBS won their game today. Um, Lecce 3-0. No, that was yesterday. My bad. But, um. Yeah, 3-0 thanks to a brace from Dusan Vlahovic. It looks like he's back on his best form. But I say top of the table for the moment because Inter, the actual league leaders, they were off playing the Supercoppa d'Italia final where they won 1-0 over Napoli thanks to a goal from Lataro Martinez in stoppage time. And, you know, I talked about last week how it was nice to see him wear the captain's armband and really league excuse me, lead Inter from the front foot, both literally and figuratively. And it was nice to see him raise the trophy. First one as Inter captain. So, yeah, man, I thought that was nice to see. But, yeah, Inter, they got uh, some catching up to do when they come back to the league play. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. All right, anything it's else? Looking like a good Serie A season as well. Yeah, bro, so far. Um, anything else y'all got to say about this Italian league? It's going to get interesting because it seems like Dusan Vlahovic is finally finding his footing at Juventus. You know, I think he scored a brace this past game. So if he gets going, bro, I think Juventus runs away. Juventus wins this. Yeah, it's going to get. It's going to be good. 
Team Juventus is going to win the league? Yeah, bro. You know what? I can see that. I can definitely they see that. They have no European competitions. They only have domestic competitions. So. That's true. I can see that. All right. Let's, uh, I want to quickly touch on um, not Lee Gong, but I guess Mbappe specifically because he scored a brace in the French Cup to bring his tally to 28 goals for the season, you know, in all competitions. And that yeah, puts him two ahead of Harry Kane over in the Bundesliga where Harry Kane and Bayern Munich lost, bro. Only their second loss oh, of yeah. the season, man. And it gives that much more space for Xavi Alonso and Bayer Leverkusen, man. Um, yeah, they have another, they got Bayer Leverkusen. They got another clutch win um, in stoppage time as well. And yeah, bro, the, uh, this time it was the Ecuadorian center back, Piero Hincape. You know, what a player, unsung hero for Xavi Alonso this season. A player that averages over four progressive passes per game, nearly two progressive carries, two tackles, one interceptions, two clearances, two aerial duels. Pretty complete center back, 20, 21 years old. So again, I think just, you know, a thrilling player to watch and a thrilling, thrilling team Bayer Leverkusen is. Um, and against no slouch opponent, bro, RB Leipzig, man. Um, you know, I think it was, uh, you know, we all know who Leipzig has in their wings. You know, Xavi uh, Simmons, probably the most well-known player there. And he kicked things off here with the goal scoring. But, uh, yeah, man, not enough for Xavi Alonso. Yeah, man. I remember I tuned into that game. But I remember I woke up and I tuned in. I was like, I just had a feeling Leverkusen is going to win it last minute. And they did. And I was like, I knew it. But... Uh, Bayern, y'all think Tuchel's getting the sack soon? Because it seems... I was reading some comments, and some people were saying they think he lost the 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 changing room. So, you don't think the sack's coming for him soon, or you, will he get to write it out? I say give him till the end of the season. Yeah, I think you got to give him to the end of the season too, man. I mean, again, we'll, yeah. I think I think uh, the manager, you know, rotating door is is. It's unfortunately starting to become like a, a normalized thing now. And we got to try and stop. Stop yeah, that from a normal thing. But also, there's not many options. I mean, by it, I do think they are crazy because they've done it before is to rehire the same coach. So I do, I could see them sacking Tuchel and getting Hansi Flick. And yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's just like, it seems like it's the same coaches available that they left go of novels in it. Hansi Flick. They could try to get Michel from Girona, but I doubt he'd leave at the middle of the season right now because he's in a title fight. But yeah, I do think the best course of action is to leave him. But I don't know if Bayern fans get impatient, you know, because they demand excellency. So I want to quickly touch on the uh, playing style that, you know, differs Bayern Leverkusen and Bayern Munich. I noticed a lot in this game, bro. I mean, if you, anyone that watched the game knows that Bayern, two of Bayern Leverkusen's goals came from corner kicks. And, you know, I, th- I, look, I thought that was interesting, so I went to go look at the stats. Bro, 11 goals this season from set pieces for Leverkusen, so I think that's definitely one of their strong suits, and they definitely use that to their advantage. And then we look at Byron's playing style, bro. And I said this in the week before when they won, you know, came back to the Bundesliga and won 3-0. Despite that win, I said that, you know, Byron, they play with this really high and dangerous um, high line. And, you know, on the pace, on the counterattack, it could be exposed. And I think that's exactly what happened here in this game, bro. Werder Bremen, you know, a team that not a lot of people would, you know, be able to name a couple of players of. But, you know, they, they did this, that. They exposed the high line. They counterattacked them and attacked with pace. And I think this is definitely one of Bayern's biggest, strongest weakness. And maybe having, you know, a player like Kim, Jin, uh, Kim Min Jae out for a little bit right now at the Asian Cup is exposing that even furthermore. But, um... Yeah, bro, I think uh, those two playing styles are definitely ones to look out for for the remainder of the season for both of these teams. And, yeah, I think uh, the Bundesliga especially, Bayern, Leverkusen top for, what, five points right now? But Bayern, Munich have a game in hand, I think, so it could be four or three. seven points ahead. Seven, oh, that's right, that's right. Seven points, so if they win their game in hand, they'd be four, four. points ahead. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then, while we're on the Bundesliga, bro, got to mention Sancho and Dortmund. They continue their good form. 4-0 win for Dortmund. I mean, Sancho didn't get a goal or an assist, but he drew the penalty. Um, And he had one key pass and four dribbles. And, yeah, as always, off to a good start in Dortmund. Um, Dortmund are also tied on points with RB Leipzig. And uh, and they're both 15 points behind Leverkusen in first. So, yeah, bro, I think it's uh, either Leverkusen or nothing this season, you know, if if it's going to be anyone to challenge uh, Bayern. 
for what the twelfth? It'd be their twelfth title in a row if they won this season. No, I think it'd be eleventh. I think they've won ten in a row, so I think it'd be their eleventh. Damn, bro! Someone please win it other than Bayern, please. Dude, if Xavi Alonso wins the title, he's definitely gone. I mean, he's definitely gone in the summer. I think regardless, there's been rumors that he might Bayern might try to fucking get him, you know, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Xavi Alonso. If he leaves in the summer, it's interesting where he goes because Ancelotti just signed a contract at um till twenty twenty six at Madrid. Klopp is pretty. He signed a contract a year or two ago to stay at Liverpool for a while. Guardiola, possibly at City, because I've heard rumors about City might possibly want him to be Pep's replacement. And then there's Bayern, so. It'd be interesting to see where he goes if he leaves in the summer. All right, boys, anything else, Bundesliga, before we go to the Prem? All right. Well, before we go to the Prem, I want to touch on the Eredivisie a little bit. Uh, this past weekend, Feyenoord won 2-1. Jimenez did not score, but he probably should have as he had a wide-open chance and didn't convert it. PSV, bro, this is the probably headline of the week for the Eredivisie. They dropped points in the league for the first time this season. They drew 1-1 versus Ultrake. PSV, bro, they could have you know, beating the Dutch record and been the only team in Dutch history to start the season with an 18-0 record if they won, but obviously they didn't. Um, El Chucky Lozano probably should have scored as well. You know, he hit the crossbar pretty late on in the game, but um, the gap between PSV and Feyenoord is shortened to only 10 points, so maybe surmountable if this form continues for both teams, but who knows? Um, and meanwhile, Ajax, they win their second league game in a row for the first time this season. Uh, dominant 4-1 performance versus some team who, again, I will not even try to pronounce. But uh, yeah, that was with the, even without Jordan Henderson. It wasn't on the bench or anything, so he's yet to come into the squad. And yeah, it should be uh, only better when he does. And now onto the Prem where there wasn't that many games to be played this week, but... Yeah, some big teams didn't play, but the ones that did, Arsenal, they won their first game in over a month, bro. Um, They scored five goals from an XG of 1.89, which I think is super impressive. But yeah, they had a pretty impressive display against, was it Crystal Palace in the end? I think so, right? Yeah, I think it was yeah, Crystal Palace 5 Yeah, bro. That was, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're probably getting back in the title hunt, Arsenal is. Um, yeah, only five points off Liverpool and three behind Villa and City. So, yeah, they're right there. Um, I think uh, I said this a couple weeks ago, but Kai Havertz, he, you know, he's pretty disappointing so far this season. The only Arsenal player in the starting 11 not to get, or sorry, to get a rating below seven stars. Offered absolutely nothing offensively or defensively in the midfield three. Been saying that all season. Been saying that since they signed for the club. Don't know why they did it. Um, Palace, in the meanwhile, you know, they're only five points above the relegation zone. So, yeah, maybe times are getting even more worrying over there. I know they got some players away at AFCON, but, yeah, I think that's uh, worrying times for Crystal Palace fans. Um, other matches, Ivan Tony is back for Brentford, and it took him only 19 minutes to get back on the score sheet. I mean, given it was, the, you know, a, probably a dodgy free kick that the wall should have done a better yeah, job at. But controversial. It was, did you see the whole video? He, moved, he completely moved the ball. What? Like, that goal should not have been allowed. The free kick goal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you need to see the whole video where he moves the ball completely. Like, the breath turns his back, and he moves the ball completely to give him a better angle. So you need to search that video, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It was that goal should not have counted. I if I'm being honest, I don't know how the AR did it to me. Damn. I didn't know that either. Damn, bro. You're bringing a lot of stuff to my attention this afternoon. So, well, first the Benny angle, and now this. Because <laughs> I remember... Um, What's his name? Nuno, Nuno, the Tottenham's coach after the game was like, I've never seen that in my coaching career. Like he moves it like, like it's okay to move it, but he moves it a lot. I'm pretty sure. Like he, like he moves it a little and then a lot, and then he gives himself such a good angle that he ends up scoring, and you're just like, bro, what? Bro, speaking of Nuno Espiritu Santo, when the hell did he become the manager for Nottingham Forest, bro? This was news to me. <laughs> Wasn't he in Saudi Arabia? Yeah, he got sacked. What? Damn, bro, everybody he wants... He got sacked and Marcelo Gallardo got hired, I'm pretty sure. No way. <laughs> yeah. Dude, everyone wants to leave Saudi Arabia, damn. I guess he didn't yes. want to leave, he just got sacked, but still. Yeah, I saw him as he was the manager, you know, the lineup graphics come out and he was the coach, and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> um... 
But yeah, bro, I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier, you know, before us, they got hit with a uh, FFP charge yet to be determined what it will be, but it will definitely be a points deduction here soon. And at first I was like, man, they're just picking on the little teams over in England. But then I thought about it, like, hold up, hasn't Forrest signed like 30 some players ever since their their new uh, ownership came in? Yeah, they signed a good amount of players, dude. The, the people that signed, I think their sporting director got sacked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They signed a lot of players that was not worth it. Mm-hmm. Bro, yeah, I mean, but if you ask me, bro, like, I mean, yeah, it's probably, you know, it's been coming for Forrest, but I think this squad alone on paper is, like, far too talented to even be contemplated with, you know, relegation zone right now. I mean, they got players in their side, such as, you know, Tavares, Gonzalo Montiel, who scored, as we all know, the game-winning uh, penalty kick for Argentina in the World Cup a couple of years ago. Um, Callum Hudson-Nagoy, Nick, uh, Nico Dominguez, Nico Williams. Yeah, I think this squad is far too talented to be flirting with relegation right now, but, I mean, those are the cards you play with, and if it's anything like the Chelsea situation where you can't buy success, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be against it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was Forrest and Brentford. Uh, no Salah, no problem for Liverpool. Three games and three wins for Liverpool since Salah departed to AFCON, and I think it's going to be even <laughs> a lot longer for him to come back due to that injury, but no, they, uh, they've they been doing well without him. Uh, both Nunez and Jota got on their on the score sheet, scoring the brace. And it's both their seventh Premier League goals of the season. So, yeah, I think they'll be just fine for the moment. But, um, yeah, Liverpool's still in uh, first place right now. Uh, although Man City do have a game in hand. And if they were to win that game in hand, they would only be five points behind Liverpool. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting title race over in England. No, it'd be two points, bro. They got uh, they got 43, Liverpool at 48. Ah, oh, shit, you're right. You're, you're right. You're right. You're <laughs> right. Yeah, bro, math is not my strong suit, damn. All right. Uh, yeah, that was uh, pretty much it. Anything else on the Premier League y'all want to hit on? No, let's do the top 10, top 10. Yeah, boys, top 10 list, which I think we're going to have uh, to shake up a little bit here. So just to recap the list from last week, uh, going from 10th to 1st, 10th place, Hirona, 9th place, Juventus, 8th place, Austin Villa, 7th place, Inter Milan, 6th place, Bayern Munich, 5th place, PSV, 4th place, Manchester City, 3rd, Real Madrid, 2nd, Liverpool, and 1st, Bayer Leverkusen. Um, well, if we go from... Just first. I think the first two are made that touch. Real Madrid shouldn't even be on this list, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the audacity of these guys. Okay, let's start from the top, though. I think 1 to 3 is untouched, right? Leverkusen... Liverpool and and City, right? Untouched? Well, it's the top three are Leverkusen, Liverpool, Real Madrid, third. No, move City up. Get Real Madrid out of there. Bro, City didn't even play this past week. (laughs) Oh, but they didn't. Oh, never mind. They got some targets. Never mind. (laughs) 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 You know, I, I would actually argue Liverpool is the scariest team right now. That's true. I would argue the pool scarier than Bayern, but I don't know if y'all would agree. Right now, yeah. I'd agree. Even though Leverkusen does nothing wrong, but just Liverpool's been demolishing people. That's why I'd say Liverpool won. Damn, bro. Ball, okay, ball. Liverpool won. Leverkusen too? Yeah, I would agree with that. I agree with that only because Bayern Leverkusen have won their past two games in stoppage time where they've needed stoppage time goals. So, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Those are clutch moments, bro. Bro, Liverpool's just dominating people, man. <laughs> 4-0 this past week without Salah? I mean, granted, it was... Who would who, who they play? Um, shit, no. Bournemouth? No. It was Bournemouth. Yeah, it was Bournemouth. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Aldo? Liverpool first now or what? I don't know. Not for, not for first. What? Against Bayern? Because I, I know I just said that I would probably agree with it, but now that I think about it, I don't think so, man. Well, you're a United fan, though. You're biased. No, no. I'm being serious. I think if we put that Liverpool t- team against... Um, It'd be a great matchup. It would be a really good But I think Liverpool's quality would overcome it. Nah. I think it's one of those games where it's like you know you're better. Not that you know you're better, but it's like if I had the players they had, I'd beat them. Or it'd be, they wouldn't beat me. You know, it's like when you're playing a FIFA Madden 
and your ultimate team's not that good, and you're just like, man. And then you come up against someone with a god squad, and you're just like, dude, if I had that same team, I'd be dominated. And I think that's how Leverkusen is right now. It's like, if he had those <clears throat> type of quality of players, he, he, he would be dominating. You know what? I agree with Saul. Liverpool would probably dominate Leverkusen right now, but Leverkusen have not lost a single league game season this season, so I think they should remain first for that reason alone. All right. Leverkusen first, Liverpool second. Do we keep Real Madrid third? I mean, they didn't. They want it. How about we put it? How about we keep them third, but then next to the graphic, the name in their graphic, we put frauds. <laughs> you know who I'd say? Oh, never mind. I'd actually put City over there, even though they didn't play, which is kind of messed up. So it's kind of hard to argue that. I don't know, man. It's difficult because Madrid did win, but it, man, bro, why didn't I City I look play at this, it past this way. weekend? It's weird. I, I look at it this way: Is Madrid currently the third scariest team to face in Europe right now? And I'd argue, you no, know, I'd say it's Man City. That's how I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I just don't think it's right for them to be dropped if they technically didn't lose okay. and if City didn't technically play. I just don't think that's right. I, I said we put him in third and leave an asterisk next to it. Yes, just like the... Uh, who was the team that got like uh, their titles? An asterisk? Oh, Astros? the Astros? Yeah, the Houston Astros. <laughs> Houston Asterisks. All right, so it looks like the top four is remaining the same. Um, fifth place was PSV. Do we drop them? Just because they didn't win and drew this past didn't. weekend? No. They technically didn't do anything wrong. They just drew. Yeah, but it's 5th PSV, 6th Bayern, then 7th Inter. Inter did win the Copa Italia, the Supercopa. Do we just bump them all the way up to 5th and push everyone else down one place? Yeah, because that, that's a trophy. I could, agree. I could agree with that, yeah. All right, Inter Milan, 5th place. 6th place, PSV? Yeah, you're right. They, yeah. didn't, they didn't lose. I think thing. everyone just goes down a spot. Bayern, though, we've got to have a conversation yeah. Did Austin Villa play this past weekend? No, they didn't. What no. the heck? I mean... They're still top four. Juve, Juve won their game, as did Girona. So should we move those teams up as well? Yeah, I was going to say Bayern down a tenth. And then... Ooh. Corona and Juventus move up. All right, Bayern down to 10th right now. I'll get on to that in a second. But 6th PSV, 7th place, Juventus or Girona? Girona. I would say Girona too, just because they absolutely smack. I mean, Sevilla is Sevilla. <laughs> I was going to say Juventus, but 2v1. Damn, I really, yeah, I would say just because the scoreline, honestly. Yeah, so... 6 PSV, 7th Girona, 8 Juventus. Do we keep Austin Villa in 9th then just because they didn't play? Bro, if we did it to Man City. If we didn't do it to Man City, we can't do it to Austin Villa, bro. Well, I don't think if they're in 9th place, I, I think they went down a spot or two. They, yeah, they went down one spot there in 8th last week. Yeah, bro, they didn't do No, they can move because the other teams played better, so yeah. All right. Now, here's know, the we're thing. We're kind of against our own logic. So I don't know. <laughs> Here's the thing. All right, here's the thing. Byron got absolutely th- no, they didn't get absolutely thumped, but they lost one nil. Do they even deserve to be in the top ten? Should we introduce a new team into number tenth? Make suggestions and, and all and Barcelona? Can, or, uh mm. no. <laughs> <laughs> no bro. There. All done. Hold your horses. What about this, bro? Atletico Madrid, they should be number ten. I think so. Let's wait. Turned it more. Because didn't they play today to, as well, and they also won? Yeah, they beat Granada one 0 Yeah, barely one 0 but yeah, wins <laughs> beating third place Real Madrid. Let, let me see, bro. They Atletico. Nah. They're having a tremendous season, bro. Oh, bro, we're playing them in the cup. Fuck, we're screwed. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to talk about it. Play Wednesday. This going to be a tough match. Bro, we might yeah, go let out. Me, let me just have, let me have a look around, see what teams. AC Milan, potentially? Bro, it just feels wrong not having Bayern in the top 10. Nah, bro, they lost. It's all good. But it's right. It's right. 
PSG. I, I, I'm gonna say that jokingly. I know you guys won't have it. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, if we ever were inter- to introduce PSG in the top ten list, it would just be not even PSG. It'd be the PSG logo, but the name would be Killing Mbappe because he literally just carries that team. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. So who did you guys suggest? Let the country I don't agree with it. If it's two v one, I got no say. What about those Poderoso Chivas? No, what was that one guy we used to play uh, pickup with indoor? Benji. <laughs> Dude, what do you? What would you always say? He's like Miss Chivas, Galacticas, todos poderosos del mundo, something like that. Ah, oh, bro, shout out Benji. But Chivas are lucky frauds, brother. You got to announce Charito. Poderosísimas Chivas, something like that. Yeah, poderosísimas Chivas Galacticas. Bro, I, I still say by intent. It, it's yeah. like, you know, Roma? It's I don't got to say. Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, bro. No, I, I think it should be Atletico, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I'm going to stay with Atletico, too. I think they earned it. All right. Well, that's our list, boys. Going from 10th to 1st. Atletico Madrid, Austin Villa, Juventus, Girona, PSV, Inter Milan, Manchester City, Real Madrid, Asterisk, second place Liverpool, first place Bayer Leverkusen. <laughs> All right, that sound good? Yeah. That's a great top 10 list. Except for Real Madrid right now. Yeah. Well, I think this is the first time in a while where we've had someone at number one and they don't get immediately dropped. You know, we had that streak going for like oh, yeah. six weeks in a row. Our number one would go to first place and then they'd lose the game right away and we have to drop them. <laughs> Bro, I still blame our podcast for... Uh, fine or not winning the Europa League honestly me too after so oh, I told you <laughs> I told you I was like not put it first and then you like the lead and then they lost and I was like I knew it bro it's because of us Santi Jimenez doesn't have a European trophy damn we're Mexico's public enemy number one yeah alright well, let us know if you guys agree with our top 10 list. I mean, we put it out every week now on Twitter and uh, TikTok as well. So, yeah, definitely let us know if you guys agree or disagree. Also, look out for some videos here and there. Um, definitely going to be editing a couple this uh, past week. Yeah, the last two I've made, man, they got in some pretty good reception. So, thank you all for that. Um, and, yeah. any you post on TikTok? Yeah, I post them on Twitter, too. I posted one on Twitter, but the other one not. It was like the uh, Saudi, which league is more competitive, Saudi or MLS. And what was the other one? I think that was it, honestly. Oh, the uh, team of the year. But that was like a few weeks back. All right, guys. Well, as always, thanks for listening. Check out our socials, Twitter and uh, Instagram. And subscribe, like, follow the podcast wherever you guys get your podcast. And, yeah, man, we'll see you next week with your weekly football recap. As always, adios. Adios.